look into the book of Hebrews tonight for our text. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, beginning at verse 22, and read uh, through 24. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of April of Abel. Thankful for these encouraging words here in Hebrews. These are forward-looking words. They refer way back to the uh, beginning of the Old Testament there. We read that. But they speak of a time yet to come. And we don't understand everything, perhaps, but we find uh, an encouragement down in the depths of our heart when we read these words and we listen to those words. We sense that there is a powerful and wonderful message here. Uh, We are filled with a hope when we read of God's plan for the church. That's you and me. God's plan for us in the future. We may not know exactly what the future is, but we know who holds the future. We're thankful for that. The church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. Is your name written there tonight? We pray that it is. This is the church of the redeemed. Those who have been born again. Made up of individuals who have been saved. Think back to the time when God spoke to your heart. Maybe it was a small thing. Maybe you were young and you hadn't committed what we would consider to be sinful acts. But it was real nonetheless. I think about the testimonies that we hear from time to time of those that lived a life of sin. And when they got saved, they were forgiven of a lot. And they were extremely thankful for that. And every one of us that fit somewhere in between, we all are part of that church of the firstborn, the church of the redeemed. In John chapter 3, we read about a man named Nicodemus, and he had questions for Jesus. I can only imagine he had been listening to Jesus and perhaps witnessed some of the miracles, and he probably was uh, astounded and amazed like so many were as they listened to the words of Jesus. No one ever spoke like Jesus was the testimony that one gave of him. And Zacchaeus was stirred in his heart, and he came with these questions. And Jesus just had one answer. You must be born again. You must be born again. And Zacchaeus, not Zacchaeus, but Nicodemus, he he didn't fully comprehend that. But I'm sure that he came to a point where he realized that Jesus was speaking a great truth. And that truth is still with us tonight. We must be born again. 
in order to have that hope for the future, in order to be uh, part of that church of the redeemed. The church of the firstborn is a church of believers. We believe in God's word. We don't look for ways to uh, to water it down or change it to, to meet society and the way things society is living around us. We don't try to do that. We want to, we stick to the pure gospel because it's the pure gospel that, that makes a change in one's heart and one's life. It's the, the true gospel that people need to hear today. We believe in God's word concerning future events. We know that God is in control. The church of the firstborn is a praying church. We might struggle sometimes to find words to pray, and I will be the first to include myself on that list. I don't consider myself one that can give eloquent prayers, and I find myself repeating myself when I have my private devotions. But yet we keep on praying. Uh, We do what we can. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, God's Spirit helps us to pray when we lack the words, when we feel like we fall short. God sees our hearts. God senses uh, what we're trying to convey to Him, and His Spirit helps us pray the right prayer. And we can always pray, as Jesus taught us, that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We look forward to that day where God's will will be carried out on earth, where we won't have all this sin and strife and trouble going around us on every side. When God's will is carried out on earth, it'll be a different world to live in. We look forward to that day. The church of the firstborn is a triumphant church. Because we have been born again. Our hearts have been changed. We no longer live like we used to live. Sin no longer reigns in our heart. The love of Christ reigns in our heart. The church of the firstborn is triumphant. We have something to look forward to. We have something to be excited about. Something to be upbeat about. Something to look forward to. The church of the firstborn. Are you part of the church of the firstborn? There is something special about a firstborn child. I couldn't help but think about that as I considered this. I remember years ago when we were expecting our first child. We happened to be living in the first house that we bought when we had our first child. We lived in a small three-bedroom house, home out in the David Douglas area, and, and we were excited. So many of you know what that's like, expecting your firstborn child. And we began to plan, and we began to make preparation. There were baby showers and baby gifts. And I remember that even the grandparents, we had grandparents on both sides of the family, they were uh, they were around and close, and and they were excited too. It was just a, an exciting time of our life. 
I remember we got busy. We had that little house, and, and we uh, set aside one bedroom, and we began to decorate that bed, and we made it into a baby's room for our firstborn baby. What good memories those are. About two years after our first child, we learned that we would have a second child. And we, we went to work on the second bedroom. I remember, with the help of my wife, uh, that we put up a wallpaper border around the room and it had teddy bears and hearts on it. We, we brought in a, a new bed and we moved our firstborn into that room. And our second child got the old baby room. And, and there was nothing wrong with that baby room, I want you to know. But that's, that's just the way we did things. And, and um, I bet some of you have, have had that experience too. And, we, uh, and, and when we had that second child, we uh, began to realize that there is something a, a little bit different about a second child. And, and it's not that we loved our second child any less. Uh, we loved our second child just as much as our first child, uh, but there's something was something a little bit different um, about having that second child, and and I was just doing a little bit of research on that. Why is that so? And, and I'm not alone in thinking like that. And, and I came across an article that was written for the Calgary Herald, and and it described using some humor uh, second baby syndrome which refers to the idea that having a baby loses its luster the second time around. And the writer had proof. Said social media platforms are a, a prime example of this. First babies are chronicled detail by detail. Every little change, every little nuance, every little crawl and first step and and you know what I what I mean is often posted on social media but subsequent children just seem to appear in family photos and some some of their friends ask oh, did you have another child and what happened here and, and that's just the way it is there's something special about the firstborn I also remember that I grew up in kind of a medium-sized family. I suppose it'd be large by today's standards, but sometimes when mom or dad was excited and, and, uh, and they were trying to get your attention specifically, which made you excited, made me excited, and they often would just call out the wrong name. And I think that's probably even more true in large families. And so what would they do? They'd start at the top with the firstborn, and they just work their way down, and eventually they'd get there and, and call, call your name. And I know that that's probably the case in really large families and, and where they might even have trouble remembering the names of all their children. But God doesn't forget our names. He, he would never do that. Once we are, are born, when we are born again, he knows our names before we are even saved. But the word of God makes a point to say that he writes our names down 
in the Lamb's book of life. And I think that is recorded there for our benefit. It's a, what an insurance it is to know that God has my name written down. What a blessing it is to know that God knows my name. And I know when God speaks to me, I can sense that he is. And I know that he's speaking to me so that I know that he knows my name. What a blessing to be part of the firstborn church where our names are written down. And God knows all about us. Thank the Lord for that. In the the 12th chapter, Hebrews, a few verses before I begin reading there, it brings up the name of Esau from the Old Testament uh, book of Genesis, chapter 25. Esau was the firstborn of Isaac and Rebekah. And as firstborn, Esau had special rights and privileges that were due him. He was due a double portion of the inheritance of his father, and he would be regarded the leader of the family once his father passed upon, passed on. What a, what a blessing uh, that would be to the firstborn to know that that is there waiting for you. It is a blessing and it is a responsibility. Esau had a responsibility. And we read a little bit about that in Genesis 25. We read that he came in from the field one day. He had been working in the field. It says that he was very faint. And his brother Jacob, his younger brother Jacob was busy making lentil soup. Esau asked to be fed. He asked Jacob for, for some of his soup. And, and Jacob responded, saying, I'll make you a deal. Esau was listening. Jacob said, sell me your birthright. Sell me that most valuable possession that you have and that you hold because you are the firstborn. Sell that to me and I will feed you some dinner. What a deal. I mean, I've been the recipient of some bad deals before. And I like to think that I can spot a bad deal when I see one. But what a deal this was, and I don't mean it in a good way. Esau was tired, faint and hungry, and he agreed to the deal. And as I look at the story, it's hard to understand why he would do that. Esau gave up so much for so little. I think about Esau's father, Isaac. Isaac was the the son of promise. His father was Abraham. And God had made a promise to Abraham that through his lineage, Abraham's lineage, that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. I'm sure Abraham heard that and kept that in his heart. I'm sure Abraham prayed about that. I'm sure Abraham is called the father of faith because he believed God's word that through Abraham's lineage, all nations of the earth would be blessed. 
but we know that out of Abraham's lineage, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, was born. And Esau undoubtedly knew that, knew that story well. He was the firstborn to receive the promise. And he despised his birthright, the word says. Today in the gospel, the promises that Abraham was given doesn't, don't apply directly to us, but God's word tells us that we have been given exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises we might be partakers of the divine nature. What a promise that is, exceeding great and precious promises, that we might escape the corruption that is in this world. I think some of us are feeling that we need an escape, right? We see everything going around us, going on around us. It doesn't calm the heart. It stirs us up. We find ourselves not being happy about what we see. Let's get back to God's word and, and just pray that we will be counted worthy to escape the corruption of this world. Hebrews 12, 24 says, And to Jesus, the mediator of this new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. In Genesis 4, we read that Abel was murdered by his brother Cain, and that his blood cried out of the ground. And that cry was for vengeance, and God heard that. But the blood of Jesus Christ today, and it cries out, Come to me, all ye that are labor and are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, the blood of Christ holds out a promise to all of us today that we can be a member of this church of the firstborn and that we have a promise and assurance of a home in heaven with the Lord. We have an opportunity even this evening to pray. We have an opportunity to look heaven's way and ask for God's continued blessing on our church, on us as individuals, on our families. We have an opportunity to search our heart and see if there's anything that we may need to do that God is asking of us. And God will help us as we pray with an honest heart, and God will bless us as we pray tonight.